Today on the Topic Show, Bud Light tweet shows a poll that shows that most Americans actually prefer lead water over Bud Light. Best Buy CEO's dark past comes to the surface. Bud Light censorship is confirmed. Disney is losing millions of subscribers while hiring a transgender TikTok star to sell girls clothes. Porsche goes woke and erases a famous landmark with Jesus in the background. A liberal woman is attacked in San Francisco and goes viral. The IRS is unable to locate millions of tax records. Ron DeSantis is replacing his 2024 campaign manager. Andy No loses his case against Antifa while the opposition lawyers say I am Antifa. Michael Kors' company is sold for $8.5 billion. San Francisco votes yay for driverless taxis. Virgin Galactic takes its first space tourist. Bucky's opens their first store in Ohio. And Target has a recall for candles. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader or business owner, need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, you have Michael Kors parent company selling for $8.5 billion which just goes to show you fashion does sell. Now the actual parent company behind that owns Michael Kors, they also own Versace and a couple other fancy brands. That company is known as Capri Holdings, which has nothing to do with Capri Sun. I checked, that would have been a fascinating towards, that'd be a fascinating, now that you think about it, in terms of diversification, having the higher end fashion clothing, and then the supposedly natural fruit drinks for children. But Capri Sun is in no relation to this company. The sale broke down to about $57 per share, which equated with the total market value of $8.5 billion. The sale is going to go to a company called Tapestry, which also owns Kate Spade, as well as Stuart Wetzelman. And this is a huge push for them trying to compete with the big boys of fashion, which are really the European fashion powerhouses. Well, if you think of that, the biggest one that you could think of is LVMH, which, yeah, it's a pretty uninspiring name. I'm sure it's an acronym and acronyms do make it sound smart, but LVMH is actually a company founded by French entrepreneur Bernard Arnault and it is a very successful holding company. They have some of the most successful brands you've ever heard of. They have Tacour, Tiffany & Co, Dior, Sephora, Marc Jacobs, Louis Vuitton, and dozens of others I can barely pronounce. Personally, I just like to have one good suit, make it last quite a bit. Now, it looks like in terms of the tapestry sale, they're going to maybe compete with them. Tapestry, well, they've been growing ever so slightly, and Capri's market value is around $4 billion. So it's a fifth of its 2014 peak, and Tapestry is currently worth around $10 billion. So it'll be interesting to see with all the fashion consolidation we're seeing these days, who will come out on top. LVMH has a huge lead on the competition, and usually these brands don't trade hands too often. So it'll be interesting to see. Do we see more startups? Are there any gaps left in the fashion industry? Time shall tell, but of course, I only need one good suit to look good. Pun moderately intended. Now, other business news, you have San Francisco saying yes to driverless taxis. Now this comes thanks to the vote from the California Public Utilities Commission, and they voted because two specific companies were campaigning. You had Cruise, which is a terrible name marketing-wise. It's owned by General Motors. They've lost over a little bit over $600 million on the initiative for this autonomous vehicle. And they also have a car, they used to have a car called the Chevy Cruze. But, man, I feel like most people when they think of Cruze, they think of the ships. But I digress. When, uh, yet another one of General Motors' brainchilds, and also, more realistically, the one that will probably succeed, you have Alphabet's company, which is Waymo. And both the companies are really pushing so they have the capabilities to have these taxis go around the city 24-7, completely autonomous. So they have these paid robo-taxis going around everywhere. The vote breakdown was actually a three-to-one vote, and they followed two delayed votes and a sharply divided public opinion, but it's a big win for these autonomous driving vehicles. Oh, I was going to say the, the drivers, not them, the robots. But it's a big win for the tech community because that's going to be perhaps something that helps push California, San Francisco back from the brink of collapse as they have record unemployment, well, they have record, record theft, rampant drug use, rampant homelessness, and there's a lot of speculation, will AI help 
dig the city out of the ditch that they've built? Will autonomous driving be at the forefront? With autonomous driving, they need to have some cities so they can actually fully test these things because a lot of areas, it's not legal yet. So they either can't do it at all or it's restricted hours. So I believe this is the first time they're actually gonna fully test having these vehicles run consistently 24 seven. So it'll be fascinating to see how many extra bugs need to work out of the systems, how logistically it's gonna work with recharging the vehicles or actually just filling up with gasoline because you probably don't want the vehicle sitting down and not making you money for what, how does it, how long does it take to charge an electric car these days? One hour, two hour, three hour, four hour, 12 hour? Depends on the supercharger you have, but I partially digress. Other interesting business use, you have Virgin Galactic taking its first space tourist. Now this historic flight was called Galactic 02, and it includes, in terms of the people on board, it had Virgin Galactic's chief astronaut instructor and three civilians. Now, the one is a former Olympian from the UK, a mother-daughter duel from Barboda. They actually won the seats as part of a charity event. Talk about a interesting, unique prize. That's something you're gonna talk about for the rest of your life. And it really is part of Richard Branson's long-term vision of having space travel becoming commercial and driving that price down so that everyone will be able to enjoy that privilege someday. And with both technologies and most endeavors like this, usually the most expensive thing is what is getting the whole industry going. Look at electric cars. The first Tesla, I believe, was 115 or 120 grand for the original model, or they had the Roadster, but the mass-produced Tesla, the Model S, and now they've gotten closer down to the 50s where actually the average price of a vehicle sold in North America was actually more expensive than the cheapest Tesla option. And of course, they're in discussions with India to see if they can start building a $24,000 Tesla. So in the very beginning with most categories, you do have the most premium things first. So it's not too shocking that this little endeavor to go to space, those tickets will cost around 450 thousand dollars which i know test scores in the united states math you know math is all time, all time low it's about half a million dollars and that's a pretty penny and they do have a wait list in terms of being a profitable business i would think it's going to be pretty good in terms of they have a nice hopper or a roster kind of like pre-orders when it comes to the teslas they have 800 passengers at virgin galactic who are looking to spend upwards of two hundred fifty thousand dollars per ticket over the next 10 years and they started that list apparently back in 2021. So they have a, in terms of sales, that's a good lead list or someone argue, argue a little bit better than lead since some of them are putting deposits down, which is all good for the space industry as well as Virgin Galactic in and of itself. They definitely need to win because one of the subsidiaries that they spun off, they was one of those things where they had the idea of sending satellites to space. But instead of using the traditional rocket that Elon Musk and SpaceX is doing, they had more of a, eh, a little bit more in the bastardized airplane with some thrusters bolted onto it. It was much fancier than what I'm saying, but it was a different approach to get into low orbit where you just have airplanes, but didn't work out too much. And unfortunately, that went bankrupt. So definitely starting to see Branson get a little bit more of a win under his belt when it comes to the space endeavors. And it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. And does anyone try to catch up or does anyone try to compete in that regard? Time shall tell. Other interesting business news, you have Bucky's opening their first store in Ohio. Now, they haven't broke ground yet, but it looks like they just had a tentative agreement with the city and the blueprints have been shown. Now, this is according to the mayor of Huber Heights, and that mayor is uh, Jeff Gore, and he specifically said on the good old Twitter, or now x.com, he said, quote, The rumors you have heard are very true. This is the first Bucky's in the state of Ohio is coming to Huber Heights. It will be at the intersection of 235 and 70 in the northeast corner. Yes, this is in Huber Heights. Not New Cars, uh, Carlisle or Park Lane. Representatives from Bucky's will be at the Planning Commission meeting on Tuesday, August 15th. You don't have to drive to Kentucky. Now you can get your beef jerky and brick brisket sandwiches. Welcome to Hooper Heights, Bucky's. We're happy to have you, unquote. Which is awesome to see just in terms of Texas Pride, see a Texas company just expanding exponentially and having great commercial success. Having a cult following of people who love their customer experience of going to a Bucky's store. And it's also a rare thing in the gas station industry. It actually has, has a clean store, which these days when I think of clean stores, I go to gas stations and Bucky's usually more on the outskirts of town where they have hundreds of pumps. So it's great because you don't have to wait for anything. But most gas stations are almost like a, a horror movie, kind of like a shell. There's like a, a not 0% chance you'll get stabbed at a shell gas station. And it's one of those things where every time you go to the shell, last it's been probably five years since I went there, there's standards for franchises I almost think are non-existent. There's always, no matter which one I went to, it was about a quarter inch of dust on all the drinks, which 
again, you could argue the drinks are factory sealed, but visually and hygienically, it, it just seems disgusting. And the bathrooms are even worse than a horror movie. You would rather use literally anything else, any other method than using their facilities. So it's not a surprise that there are some clean gas stations growing exponentially. It'll be interesting to see how the growth rate compares to the Tesla charging stations, which some of the stations at Bucky's do have and how that could increase sales, because obviously it takes quite a little fair amount of time to charge a Tesla, thereby giving you more time for they're actually stuck inside the store to shop and consume more goods and services. So it'll be interesting to see how they pan out, but excited to see Bucky's growing exponentially in that little beaver. Looks like he's working, working pretty good on that dam, or some funny pun I can't even think of at the moment, but I digress. Going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light tweeting and the response one of those responses was such a great ratio. It showed people who would actually prefer lead water over Bud Light. Now, the original tweet, before it was officially ratioed on the Twitter sphere, or now X, you had Bud Light tweet saying the first sip of feelings. Which, again, yeah, marketing C minus is just a cliche gal with bad hair waving all around with open beer. And all these statistics or all these measurements were taken within the first 48, so first 48 hours of the post. For the original post and then the responses. So the original post, again, just Bud Light tweeting, the first sip of feeling, all, the first sip of feeling. Now, that one got 148,000 views and about literally 420 likes, which, a little bit of math today, that's 0.28% of people liked it who actually saw it. Now, one of my favorite responses was someone responded with a meme where it's Ben Affleck looking exhausted, holding a cigarette, and the text was Bud Light intern getting ready for post. And that got 6,172 views and 664 likes. So it got more likes than the original tweet. And the ratio at which their like to view was, again, I know math scores in the United States are all time low. We'll do a little math together. Some might say more valuable in public school. That's, that's not saying much, the bar's pretty low. But again, I digress. That means of the 6,172 views, 644 people liked it. That's 10.76% of people who saw it liked it, which is astonishing astonishingly good for a tweet. Now, the other top response to the original Bud Light tweet was someone asking a poll saying, would you rather drink Flint, Michigan water or Bud Light? Now, a little bit of background, a couple years back, there's a big controversy where it turned out a lot of the pipes in Michigan were still lead and even worse, they were actively contaminating the water, which again, public schools all time low. Lead is a very, lead is a long-term carcinogen. That's so why you see all the warnings and labels and all the fun things in life. If you buy ammo or gun, it'll have big warnings that says caution could expose you. This has a product that can expose you to lead, which has a lot of bad side effects. So it was a big thing in the news for quite some time. And of course, we thought it would actually unite people in the United States. It, you know, just more political bickering on both sides, unfortunately. But that person who asked that poll, like, would you rather have Flint, Michigan water or Bud Light? In 48 hours, there are 762 votes. 94.9% said they would prefer Flint, Michigan water compared to the 5.1% who said they would prefer Bud Light, which at the end of the day, could we really taste the difference between the two? I'm not going to do a taste test, but I would, I would say probably. Now, interestingly enough, another response to the original Bud Light tweet was someone asking, what would you prefer today? Would you have, what would you find more refreshing? Um, would you prefer, you know, a non anheuser Bush product or an anheuser Bush product? Now this had 1,530 votes. 94.5% said no anheuser Bush in product. Well, 5.5% said, yep, make mine a Bud Light. Which astonishing hilariously how close the percentages are between those two polls. Although the other one does have twice, again, a little, a little math today, a little bit over twice the number of votes. So, It'll be interesting to see how Bud Light continues to attempt to crawl out of the Twitter hell of ratio, but thus far the fans are not buying it because, of course, they never actually addressed their initial problem or their marketing faux pas, their business blunder, and they alienated, again, people on the left, people on the right, people in the middle. So I don't think it's going to change until they actually address the problem. Many people speculate they won't. So I don't see their ratios getting any better on the Twitter sphere anytime soon. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Best Buy CEO hiding in the dark as the light brings the truth to the forefront. Now, earlier last week, you actually had James O'Keefe reveal that whites and Caucasians were blocked from managerial training. 
Someone took screenshots, thankfully, so the proof is in the screenshot in this case, where it actually said, in order to qualify for the management trainee program and further your career, you had to be a Best Buy employee for one year, which that makes sense. They want to make sure you're invested in the company. They want to make sure you're employing good standing. So make sure you don't have any demerits against you. You're not coming in late every day. And the third thing that you had to have was you had to be, I believe it was the three or four, you had to be black, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, and there's one more category, but none of them are white. So de facto, they were saying, we do not qualify this based on melanin or lack thereof in your skin, which I find morally vacuous and disgusting because our country was founded on the fact that all men are created equal. And I was judging man by his merit and what he does rather than what he happens to look like. But Best Buy thinks you should just, you should bar certain opportunities for people based on how they look. Now, thankfully, there's been some backlash against Best Buy. Some people are starting to catch up and uh, notice this and find it morally disgusting as well. And it will probably be the best, oh, I was gonna say the Best Buy, the best boycott. It'll be the easiest boycott in history because there's really no reason to go to the Best Buy. There are many better businesses, whether you want to, well, shoot, Time Technology sells some electronics we could help you out with if you're a business. But in terms of you need a PC, you either build it yourself, go to somewhere like Micro Center, you can go to even Walmart, which again, is pretty diverse. They have darn near everything. If you need a standard laptop, just go there. You need appliance, go there. There's very few compelling reasons to go to a Best Buy anymore, especially when their customer service is piss poor. Try calling a Best Buy, you'll go crazy because 99.99% of the time, you can't reach someone at the store. You'll get sent off to a call center where they try to answer questions. So if you have an actual question to a specific store, you have to either go online and trust that their e-commerce platform is working where they'll actually show you active inventory, which again, hit or miss, or yeah, you're just screwed. So needless to say, the customer experience is lackluster to say the least. So I'm surprised they're still around in that regard. Now, going back to the CEO, her name is Corey Berry. Um, and apparently she had an inappropriate relationship with a subordinate. And it's fascinating to see people talk about the inequalities between men and women. Here's a prime example. She has the probably one of the most in-your-face examples of privilege. She was not fired, reprimanded, or anything. Think about that for a second. Would it, if, if you reverse the situation, if a man did that, he would be called predatory. He would be fired within 12 seconds. The board directors would be on the phone that day. Even if there's an just an accusation, his life would be over, regardless of consent, just the rank difference. But of course, she was not, and she's still the CEO to this day. This actually comes back in 2020. There's an investigation that comes after the company said it received an anonymous letter saying that Barry had a romantic relationship specifically with the former Best Buy, well not former Best Buy executive, senior vice president Carl Snapped. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes from there. But as I say, time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Best Buy posting political flags, but not the American flag. So this came from someone actually in Texas where they went to a Best Buy and in the store, they saw a they them flag, which is uh, known as a uh, gender uh, identification flag. So the flag literally said they them for people who identify as they them or individuals who identify as they them. And then they also had the trans pride flag in the store. So they didn't have the American flag and they didn't have the Texas flag. Does that make any sense? And there's no other political flags. You're certainly not going to see a Republican flag in there. Again, they're headquartered in Minnesota, historically a very left-leaning company, politically speaking. So this exploded on social media where people started to ask, um, why are these flags here? I'm here to buy a, what do they sell these days? A DVD, um, a $95 HDMI cord that you can get for like $3 at Walmart. So they took the flags down only after conservatives actually spoke up, which is a rare thing in and of itself, since more often than not, that's why these companies do more left-leaning things because on average, the left is very good at boycotting. They organize, they execute their plans. On the right, sometimes they'll whisper a boycott. They'll say something, but there's really not much of an effect or a incentive for the businesses to actually listen to them or, or spend a modicum of ever advertising to them. This, they actually did listen, fascinatingly enough. So they did take down those flags. Now, interestingly enough, in terms of marketing and adopting a local culture, you see much more success from other companies such as Walmart. Now, Walmart, depending on where they are geographically, the store managers, 
they have more autonomy, not just for products, but also decor and how they cater to certain markets. Like in Texas, they'll actually have like Texas branded monopoly boards. They'll have, actually have little uh, mugs that, with the city inscription. So it'll be like city of Frisco, Texas, city of Dallas, Texas, um, Fort Worth, you got Lubbock, but they'll actually have specific trinkets for people that live there. That's brilliant. You're catering right to your core audience in that city. They also have Texas flags, which many would argue is awesome, one of the most awesome flags in history. Great country and great state. Another funny reminder, before most of the states in the United States, before their state, they're just land. Texas, before it was a state, it was a country. I sure got my hat for that, but I digress. They have much more catering towards the local market. So they would, they would have a Texas flag, the United States flag in the store, which makes sense. And in, in other stores, they'll also have Bibles as well in the book section. Makes sense to where you are geographically as well as the cult, uh, company's culture if they're more faith-based. But in this case, they had those flags in Texas, which on, uh, Texas is turning purple. Um, politically speaking, a lot of liberals are moving to Texas because they like all the political economic advantages, although they will subsequently destroy it if they enact the ones they previously had. But it is shifting. And it'll be interesting to see, do they change the decor because of that? But that market hasn't... That, that flip hasn't happened yet. It's moving, but that the mass market, or in terms of the number of people who believe certain things, they the, they've not outnumbered the other folks yet. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it's impossible for that to happen. States do change over time. California used to be Republican, which is insane to think, but it, that was true at one time. Now, other interesting political flags at Best Buy, they had. The trans flag, it's a military flag? So this is even more bizarre. I was very confused by this. And this is thanks to another uh, investigator who posted on Twitter, also known as X. And they had all the political, or, um, sorry, all the military flags when you look at the divisions of the United States. So you had the Army flag, they had the Navy flag, they had the Marines flag. But in the same display case, in terms of each of these flags was, it looked like a glorified printer paper frame, but each of the flags had that frame. But then right next to it, in the same lineup, the same size, same frame design, they had the trans flag as well. Which, I mean, hardcore, some Republicans might argue it's a military faction, I guess. But that's definitely not what Best Buy is going for. It, maybe it was because they're trying to signal the acceptance of the military of that group of people. I would also argue the point of military is to have no groups of people in terms of you're one military unit. You talk to, well, I talk to my friends and folks in the military, they don't see race, they don't see color, they don't see they just see your one military elite fighting force. That's the whole point of the military is it used to be be all you can be. We are one unit. We don't care, we don't give a damn your background, your race, your orient none of that. All we care about is working together as a team. All the other stuff disappears, your one military unit. So that, that's why it's a little bit more peculiar to see this flag again at a Best Buy. And that one I believe is still up, but culturally speaking, it's interesting to see. Some of these companies are moving forward with certain political ideologies. Some are starting to listen to the local markets. And for the first time, darn near ever, conservatives are starting to speak up. And with the only other exception in terms of business history that I can think of in the past 10 years, let me know in the comments if you think differently. But the Bud Light boycott is perhaps the most successful one. I think people in the middle were also concerned that they chose Dylan Mulvaney, whose average audience member was about 15 years old. So that person can't the audience of people who observed Dylan were too young for the product. So I know there were a lot of parents who that was their primary concern, but I digress. It is a fascinating scene from a cultural perspective, people starting to get more culturally and politically involved in many of these campaigns and many of these ideas. How many of these companies will listen to the local market or how many will have broad rules in terms of their policies and politics? We'll see. And as I always say, time shall tell. Other interesting culture news, you have Bud Light censorship confirmed as the comments remained disabled. Now, this is, I don't know if this is Bud Light themselves telling Google to do what they want or if this is Google, but in terms of my channel, and I appreciate everyone taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. We're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August, so I really appreciate it. And it will help the channel grow and develop in the content as well as the quality. Now, in terms of, I was fascinated with this because every single video I upload, I always have the button that says allow all comments because call me old school, but I might, I might not agree with what you're going to say or what you want to say, but I'll fight to the death you're right to say it, which I was going to say the proof is in the pudding. Look at some of my videos. There are some pretty pejorative and uh, pretty pejorative comments about me. Some constructive criticism, which I do appreciate because it helps me slow down 
I used to speak a lot faster in the first videos and I got some feedback and you slow down a little bit, pontificate a little bit more. So I appreciate the constructive criticism especially, but some are just, I, they just say you suck, which pretty, you, you wanna quantify your insults because I don't really care you say that. Be more specific and articulate and then maybe I can improve what you want, but I digress. My point is, every video, I always make sure by default I allow all comments. Now, a couple days ago, I couldn't help but notice I uploaded a couple of videos of Bud Light as a main subject matter, and a couple of them, the comments were disabled, which I thought, hey, even though I, even though I, I own an IT company, I'm human, I make mistakes, maybe I accidentally clicked the wrong button. Let me go back in the editing video, let me turn on the comments. So this particular video that I was looking at is the one where I talked about Bud Light, the Bud Light blunder with Don Mulvaney has caused other businesses to change their hiring practices, not only who they're going after, but also the job description in and of itself. They're using political terms in order to attract people who are more politically, ideologically involved or aligned with their business. And they did use terms such as woke, and they also use terms in that in the ad that specify like we know what a woman is because their their controversy was around Dill Mulvaney, which is the uh, trans activist that all the controversy is around. And that video, that, that video was called Bud Light Changes Hiring Practices. So I went and I changed it. So I turned the comments back on and within 10 minutes, the comments were disabled again. So I thought, okay, did I really make the same mistake twice? I, I'm human, maybe I did. So I went in and I turned the comments section from disabled to on. And I made sure that button where the selector was allow all comments. And again, within 10 minutes, done. So then I start to think of myself, Maybe it's because it's not getting enough views and they just don't make, maybe, no, because I have videos with less views that have a couple comments. May, well, maybe, maybe I need to highlight a comment or maybe that'll help override it. So I actually went in there and I just commented on my own video saying, hey, having issues with the comment section, if you can see this, reply to this comment, I'll highlight it. If that doesn't work and you see it's disabled, send me a direct message, email me at thetoppingshow at gmail.com. Within two minutes, the comment section was disabled again. And I did that eight times. So I went in there manually, changed it to allow, and it will not allow the comments. Within the last time I did with it is literally it within 20 seconds. So darn near instantaneous, they were disabling the comments on that video where I talked about Bud Light changing hiring practices. Now, the second video, again, had Bud Light in the title, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's triggering this or why. Of course, I emailed Google, YouTube asking why it's doing this, but I suspect just because of uh, my current channel subscriber count, or maybe they just didn't, they thought it wasn't worth their time to email me. Maybe they're overwhelmed with the volume of requests that they're getting, but I haven't gotten any feedback saying why this specific video is having the comments locked. Now, the second video, ironically enough, was a video that I titled Bud Light Causing Third Party YouTube Video Censorship, which it got a fair number of views. It got 213 views. It's pretty good for my channel. And it got 12 likes. And ironically enough, they disabled the comment for that one. And again, I did the same practice where I thought I I thought I maybe fat thumbed it, even though by default I have it, you know, like that. Maybe I accidentally fat, you know, clicked somewhere I shouldn't have. So I went in and I edited the, the settings. So I said, hey, allow all comments. And again, within two minutes, it got shut down and disabled. So I did that four times for that video before I was finally getting it through my thick skull is this is certainly deliberate, whether it's their automated system catching a word they don't like, but it's not a coincidence or it's not an accidental input on my part because I've mainly tried to fix it four to eight times for these those two videos. Now, ironically enough, in and of itself, if this video gets censored, I guess I would just double confirm it, but it is fascinating to see they're just completely locked down the comments, not telling us why, yet you know, reason 9,995,425 to go over to Rumble, which we will subsequently doing with some of our videos. I'll start to double post them and hopefully we'll have a more free, constructive conversation on that platform. So it'll be interesting to see, but they are certainly going after that. And I, it'll, I really hope someone leaks documents or someone brings it to the light. Is this Bud Light directly influencing Google YouTube or are they doing it on their own? Of all my videos I made, and I've made over four, I think 500 now, those are the only two that they've automatically disabled comments. And again, they didn't even tell me. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there.
Other interesting culture news, you have Dizzy Streaming losing millions of subscribers and trying to raise prices. So you have the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, who again, he's brought back to try to fix the company that Bob Chapek made some terrible business blunders under his tenure. Although Bob Iger did actually help groom him for the position of taking over as CEO. So some people would say, why are you getting him back? Or, But I digress. Now, he noted that the company, in terms of good news for Disney, there's a silver lining in there. Bob Iger recently noted that the company's on track to hit $5.5 billion in anticipated cost savings. All this while the direct consumer losses shrank. So their total revenue is $22.3 billion fiscally for a quarter and is down 2%, shy of their forecast. But in terms of the shrinking losses, that is good because, of course, anytime you start a new initiative or you have you have new things going out, the upfront cost is usually pretty darn big. That's why companies like Tesla, all of companies especially, they're setting up these giant factories. That's hundreds of millions of dollars. So the first couple of vehicles are going to be at an, an depending on how you amortize, amortize and measure the cost, they're going to be a negative by default just because of that big upfront cost. And over time, the upfront cost is spread across all the vehicles and so they become more profitable. Now, it looks like their linear television was actually softer. And that's where they, for some reason, they still have cable, like cable TV, which again, my three cents, they need to sell that asset now because what whatever it's worth tomorrow, it's going to be less than today because again, less and less and less and less. So people are actually signing up for cable. Let me know in the comments, if you're moving into a new house or you rent apartments, do you ever click that box that says, yeah, we want a cable box? I mean, I've never bought cable in my life and I've mostly lived at apartments. This is my first rental house. I use it. Um, I rented it primarily for the two podcasts I have, but I've never actually clicked that button or, you know, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to definitely uh, get a good old cable box. It's just, we have the internet. Now, in terms of the fiscals, it looks like there's a big $2.44 billion content impairment charge related to the removing content from its direct-to-consumer service and terminating third-party licensing agreements, plus another $210 million hit from Severance. Now, of course, this is coming as he also wants to cut about 7,000 jobs in total over the year because um, there's a lot of overhead. And it looks like the company swung a net loss of $490 million for its fiscal fourth quarter from a $4.1 billion profit the year before. Now, going on to Disney Plus' subscription service, they said that Disney Plus had 141.6 million global paid subscribers at the end of June, down from the last quarter. Now, this is excluding Disney Plus Hotstar, which lost 12.5 million in June and April from the uh, June from the April quarter. Now, their core Disney Plus subs rose to 105.7 million from 104.9 million sequ uh, sequentially. But the hit from the hot star was expected after Disney declined to renew its rights to cricket. Which, again, Disney is a global company, but that's not in their main wheelhouse. That's not their forte. So it makes sense for them to drop that, but it's hilarious to think they're paying it, having it in just having it at all to begin with. Now, it looks like ESPN Plus subs were also flatlining at about 25.2 million, and Hulu's 44 million SVOD subs were up from 43.7 million. Now, Live TV Plus and SVOT was 4.3 million for a 48.3 million total Hulu. Now, I'll be interested to see what happens to those numbers as they start to integrate the two. I think legally they need to buy out Comcast for the remaining shares of Hulu, because right now they do own a majority stake in the company. Actually, I think they did announce that a couple months ago, so the real the question is the integration of the adoption rates. Will people drop them all together? Do they really only want one and now they don't want the other? It'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Now, it looks like at linear networks, their profits fell 23% to $1.9 billion on a sales of $6.69 billion, down 7% stateside. And Disney noted his lower advertising revenue and viewership at ABC, which again, why do you still have ABC? Is it nostalgia, I guess? Because Bob Iger, that would actually... Few of the things I do admire about the man, he's certainly done some things in terms of his prudent business decisions. He did start up from the ground up at ABC, and then subsequently they were later acquired by Disney. He worked himself up the corporate ladder. So it's a cliche, but it is the true American success story. But to still have that right now, I don't I don't know what's gonna go on in terms of them actually making more money from cable in the near future. Now in terms of their parks, it looks like the parks experiences they saw sales up 13% to $8.5 billion with an increase of just 4% in domestic parks and 
94% at international parks, some of which were still plagued by the poke related closures. And it looks like international parks swung a profit of $428 million, while income was down 13% to $1.4 billion stateside. So they got a lot of issues going on at Disney. It'll be interesting to see. It, the, the stock did go up because shareholders were happy to hear that they're going to increase the prices for Disney Plus and Hulu. But it's also one of those issues where, again, 40-year hyperinflation. It's the worst inflation in 40 years. Economic uncertainty at its peak. People are, don't know what's going to go on. For me, are the reasons, both geopolitically as well as local politically. A lot of people are starting to pull back on their budgets. And again, Disney Plus is a luxury. You don't need it. Books are free. Go to the library, I always tell folks. But it's one of those things where how many families are going to cut back on that because, again, it's a luxury. Times are tough. And the actual content, many people are arguing getting worse and worse and worse as they inject more and more politics into content that you just don't need to have it there. So it'll be interesting to see, can Disney come up from this nosedive? Are you still subscribing to Disney Plus? Let me know in the comments. be interested to see what you have to say. Now, other cultural news, you have Disney teaming up with a transgender TikTok star to sell girls apparel. So this is fascinating. You have a biological man dressing up as Minnie Mouse so that they could sell Minnie Mouse clothing. Now this person, it's fascinating to see, or I, well, perhaps I, a cultural faux pas. It looks like the person is Sean Altman who believes, who he, oh wait, he identifies as gender fluid. That's a new one. Now, it looks like Altman showed himself getting dressed and applying makeup to over 717,000 subscribers. Jesus Louise. And goes on to say, Minnie is me. I fight right in, fit right in with Mickey and friends. Which, nowadays, yeah, probably, yeah. I. Let's listen to this. Iconic friend group, Disney's Mickey and Friends. And the character most like me is Minnie Mouse. And what? I have the most perfect dress to start the look. It even has little Mickeys on it. And I love how bold of a red it is. It's just like Minnie. I'm thinking of layering a fun collar. Like the... I would have thought Mickey would be, but okay. Just to give it a little more flair. But now I feel like the dress needs more shape. So let's add this white petticoat under it. It's so fun to move in, and I love how it peeks out at the bottom. And to add even more shape, this belt should do the trick. Now for hair, I'm thinking of doing space buns. So let's pull out my hair donuts, and just like that, it kind of looks like I have mini ears. And Minnie wears gloves, so I need gloves. I'm also going to add this watch with Minnie and all her friends on it. It's so cute. But now, to be as bold as Minnie, I need a bold red lip. It's a classic, and it's so pretty. Now, let's add some black tights and pull out the iconic yellow pump. I'm just like Minnie Mouse. But wait, something's missing. I know. How could I forget? A giant red bow, the biggest fashion statement. And now the look is complete. I literally wait, what? look like Minnie Mouse, and I fit in perfectly with Mickey and his friends. The bow with the dress and the shoes really sealed the deal. Now I'm fashionable, bold, and fun, just like Minnie Mouse. I'm. The accurate part is that this person certainly does fit in with Disney's modern cast. So I, I think that part is quite accurate. I'd be fascinated to see how much of these subscribers and how much of that is organic growth versus big tech just shooting them to the top and pushing them and recommending them as much as possible. Yet another, yet another reason to click subscribe. We, we like to have real subscribers here. I can't help but fathom how many of those are real. And this is also a reason 9,995,435 not to allow children on TikTok because you do not control the content. Really, there's no real good reason to have them on the internet either. But another topic from another time. When it comes to this, I can't help but wonder, is this going to increase Disney sales when Disney is right now suffering from decreasing in sales because partially they're getting involved in politics? I mean, they've lost over a billion dollars this year in movies alone. And those movies, again, well, mediocre writing to say the least, basically a photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy, which, fun little science experiment, it degrades every time you do a copy. But also, they're injecting politics into these things. And this has become a political issue in the United States. So Disney prominently partnered with this man who identifies as gender fluid to specifically promote women's apparel on the, its Disney-style TikTok channel. So again, let me know in the comments, do you think this will increase sales? I can't help but wonder, but no, I wouldn't think so. It might it'll increase sales in a new category of people, but 
I would argue right now, business-wise, you're going to alienate more people than you're gaining right now. I don't know if they have a 20-year vision or they're, they're speculating on the demographics changes or the shifts in the United States. But culturally speaking, I don't think this is going to help Disney with a lot of the current business blunders they're going through. I mean, let me know in the comments. Do you think this is going to be a net positive or net negative for Disney? They're also not advertising on traditional cable with this stuff because they probably know parents don't want to see it. So it would almost seem as if they're specifically choosing a media medium that they know only kids are on and parents really aren't. Well, also people with more than a modicum of brain intellect, they're also not on TikTok either. But I partially digress. Now, other interesting culture news, you have Porsche going woke, quote unquote. Now, they actually had a new commercial and they actually, they took the Jesus out of the commercial. I kid you not. Now, Porsche... Breaks my heart. I still drive a Honda, with, although I still love my Honda. It's got three pedals. Someday I'd like to afford a Porsche because they're the last car company dedicated to making a vehicle with three pedals, also known as a stick shift. Every other sports car has acquiesced to the boring EV or automatic transmission. That includes Lamborghini, Ferrari, Lotus even. Every The Corvette is now automatically only or an EV. Just, the Camaro's dead. That's going to be an EV with four doors, apparently. The Challenger's going to be an EV. The Charger's going to be an EV. All the great stick shifts. There's so many have acquiesced to boring technology. But Porsche listened to the consumers, which is a rare thing in and of itself. And they said, we were going to make a stick shift as long as possible for the 911 in particular. Now, historically speaking, culturally speaking, the Porsche 911 is a pinnacle of their company. It's what they're known for. Granted, in terms of volume of sales, they sell more SUVs because the demographics of the United States has changed and more and more people want the SUV convenience. So you look at most car companies, that's what they're doing. But the pinnacle of their brand, the soul of the company is the 911. There's such a cultural following around that vehicle. And it's admirable how much engineering they put into it. You can customize it as well, however you want. It might cost you an arm and a leg, but if you want to have a specific color of stitching, you can get that. Very customizable, great customer experience, and a lot of people are saying they blew it. Now, this specifically is regarding to an advertisement where they released it celebrating the 60 years of their iconic 911 sports car, and it was going along the mountains of Portugal. Now, in terms of what they got rid of, they airbrushed out a iconic landmark of the area. The landmark is known as the Cristo de, Cristo Rey landmark, uh, Chris, famous Cristo Rey, and there's a landmark over in Libsyn. And it's one of those things where it's not a small thing to get rid of. It has a huge platform. I don't mean that just on social media, but this statue of Jesus is on a 75-foot concrete platform. A giant pillar, basically, with Jesus on top. That is... And they just... Even is more moronic, marketing-wise, they just took the top off. So you still see the tower, but... Now there's no Jesus. And it's just ridiculous. Now the statue was actually set up in the 1950s to express gratitude that Portugal survived the horrors of World War II while the country remained officially neutral and depicts Christ with his arms raised blessing the city of Lipson. It would be almost as, almost as abhorrent as if you were to remove the Sears Tower from the Chicago landscape. Yes, I said Sears. It's not the Willis Tower. It'll be the Sears Tower forever because that's who made the tower the sears company which used to be the pinnacle until they had many business blunders subsequently they're a shell company now but thankfully it looks like some people are starting to get a little bit more involved culturally speaking in porsche the, the amount of comments on the youtube about this specific advertisement was so viscerally against porsche they deleted it so you know, i don't know if the youth use the term ratio on the youtube but it's subsequently ratioed on the youtube in terms of more people had a negative experience or negative comment than an actual positive comment. And it's one of those things where they really, you almost have to try to mess up this bad. In terms of making a, a commercial celebrating your 60, 60 years of heritage, really a good, more prudent business idea would be maybe have every 10 years, you, whatever generations there are for the Porsches where they you know, change the body style, just have someone driving that vehicle in another country and don't bastardize the landscapes or the historical landmarks that people know, love, and remember. And I can't help but think, 
it's the one category that you're still allowed to make fun of is Christians, Catholics. It's as cliche as old as time. Even when I was in high school, every other religion, if you were to make a joke about them, you get suspended, you get in trouble. But it's the one thing that mainstream media and most everyone is like, oh yeah, it's okay to crap on them. That religion's okay to be ignorant of. It's okay to discriminate against that group of people, which I find morally vacuous and disgusting. And it's also a cliche because all the jokes have been done by now. But it's also one of those things where conservatives buy stuff too. And they're starting to get more vocal, finally, about their cultural and political ideologies. And they're going to start supporting businesses who do not alienate them. And this commercial specifically is alienating them. Now, they're always using the cliche of, we don't, get, we, we don't want to get involved in religion. We don't want to take a side. And yet, they'll have plenty of commercials glorifying other religions. So it's really just this one religion because they're worried there will be some backlash against them. Because politically speaking, people, again, on average, on the left, much more politically active, and they will maybe boycott or destroy your brand with angry tweets. So, some of those issues where one of the most iconic brands in history, and it's certainly not their biggest faux pas, culturally speaking, but hopefully they'll either put the statue back in, make some, hopefully they'll actually acknowledge they made a mistake. Because guess what? Conservatives buy Porsches too. It's one of those things where, why alienate anyone when you make a vehicle designed for everyone. In fact, I would, I would argue more conservatives buy them just because they love internal combustion engines. Who, they're not, it's one of those fascinating things, but that perhaps will be the business blunder of the week. Right now, it's just the news. I wanna see how much it affects their business fiscally wise. Are they gonna have people canceling orders? Will there be a boycott? It's much more, I would say it's much more difficult to boycott a vehicle since it's more sporadic. Most people, my, like my parents still drive a 20 year old Honda, bulletproof cars, by the way. But in terms of Bud Light, you buy that maybe once a week, so you could see that boycott. But Porsches, you buy, wait, maybe if you're really lucky, you might get one in your lifetime, going to the dealership to buy new. And it's a very long sales cycle, obviously, it's years. So it'll be interesting to see, do they see any fiscal boy, uh, ramifications of this, or does boycott have any teeth to it? It'll be interesting to see, but time shall tell. Now, other interesting culture news, you have a liberal woman attacked in San Francisco, and she's gone viral. Now, there are a lot of holes in her story. And when you look at her background, it gets even more interesting. So let's listen to her. And I do apologize, there's a cliche, uh, cliche, screely voice. And people say my, and people say my voice is bad. I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries and I live in San Francisco. And uh, I problem one, you're, uh, you live in one of the most crime-ridden cities in this, country the highest theft and well but you know, let's see let's go let's, let's see what happened to her i never really feel fully safe if you live in san francisco i'm sure you know what i'm talking about and i just got groceries i'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me and says move you stupid bitch and he spits in my face spits all over my face and then i say excuse me did you just spit in my face and he says move or i'll rape you there's also people well you're must you have kids apologize everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like i can't handle something else in san francisco yeah that's the culture you choose that's the culture you built now might sound cliche cliche but try that in a small town men wouldn't stand for that they defend their women and oddly enough culturally speaking america has ostracized those men in those cities and those towns personally i would rather revere that culture always something else I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco... Because she wants attention. That's why she's doing it. Do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe. Ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight. But nighttime? No. Not leaving my house. I'm literally... And yet, she'll still vote the same. Now, she actually took down the video because an overwhelming majority of the comments were pointing out, well, you're choosing to live in the bluest city in the United States. All the policies are a direct result of your decisions to vote for the people you vote for. They decriminalized, or rather, they made it so it's not a felony to steal items below $950. That's why, and the DAs don't prosecute anything. That's why pretty much every retailer has left San Francisco. And most businesses are too. It is a morally vacuous place, rampant drug use, rampant homelessness. There are more issues than you can possibly fathom, but it's what they want. They're voting for those things time and time again. And people started to wonder, well, does she, does she, see, does she seem sane? 
Well, it turns out she's racist. Well, this isn't too much of a surprise because it's, liberally speaking, or people on that side of the aisle, kind of like college admissions, they're okay with racism if it's against uh, Asian community. Now, I say that because her tweets, and these are tweets from her, she says, quote, Asian is not a race, it's a disgrace, unquote. Disgusting? Absolutely. Almost as disgusting as her looks. Now, she also had a hat, or it's a red hat, so she was trying to look like Trump, or the cliche, uh, the Trump hat. And it said, literally said, made you look, or um, what was it? Yeah, it said, made you look, I support BLM. Another cliche opinion to have. And she also said, quote, while I have no motivation, I think of an Asian getting, when I have no motivation, I think of an Asian getting a job over me and I immediately get to work, unquote. So morally vacuous to say the least. That's disgusting for her to say that. And I also don't buy, she said, so she actually clarified in later statements that the person who spat on her was a well-groomed white guy. Which statistically speaking, I would guess, again, San Francisco, they have the highest homeless population in the US. I would guess it would be someone who is homeless. And statistically speaking, they probably wouldn't be groomed well. So it's one of those things where I don't believe that. And it also goes to show you yet another reason, reason 12,958,458,326 to give women guns. Because if their life is being threatened, that's a great way to permanently stop the threat. But ironically enough, if you look at more of her posts, she's very left and they don't want anyone to have guns, which a wise man once said, God made man, Samuel Colt made man equal. That being a reference to Samuel Colt, who is the first successful patent holder and inventor of the repeating revolver. Before him, the mechanics were terrible. They'd have misfires. He was the first one to make a reliable way of self-defense and is known as a great equalizer. It will make a 90-pound woman the same as a 250-pound jacked-ripped football player. So she could defend herself as she should have that ability. But it's interesting, culturally speaking, socially speaking, she was ostracized. Many people were dunking on her on the Twitter and on the social media saying, why do you still live there? You look at your other, you look at your other posts, you support these policies. Culturally speaking, will San Francisco bounce back ever? Will they choose to change their culture, decrease the drug use, decrease the homelessness? I mean, I would say outlook not so good if it was looking at Magic 8-Ball because they've had this trajectory for some, quite some time. And it's not, it's not great because there's a lot of negative. There's obviously a lot of negative consequences. The ripple effects are huge and enormous, and it's not safe. So will she change? No, probably not. People are. It seems that they're stuck in their ways. Let me know in the comments that what would the Las Vegas odds be of San Francisco turning itself around? I would say, of course, outlook not so good. Now. Going over to the political part of the podcast, you have the IRS unable to locate millions of tax records, according to a watchdog. Now, this is thanks to a news report over at Politico, which on average is a little bit more left-leaning, but still has some good raw data. And of course, I always tell people, when you look at all these things, look at both sides political aisle, make sure you have multiple sources, see what you think so you can get a more rounded opinion. Now, it looks like specifically the IRS lost track of millions of sensitive individual and business tax records that should have been transferred from a closing agency facility in California. And it was also unable to locate thousands upon thousands of records that were stored in a facility in Utah. Now, this is actually part of a review where the IRS has, has a mandatory storage of old tax records and actually put them in microfilm backup cartridges. Now, some people might say it's antiquated and bad to have those. Personally, I love that because physically speaking, it's great for taxes because the cost of tape backup and microphone backup is very cheap compared to if you do a flash memory, think of a flash drive or even a spinning disc, that cost is much more expensive. And most of this data, it could be stale in terms of you don't need it immediately, which is what you're paying for when you have flash memory. And it's also pretty secure because it's, it's off the network. Now, it's one of those things where if we make a mistake, we'll be put in prison for the IRS. That's why I always tell people, Get a great accountant, whether you're an individual or own a business. And remember, if you own a business or you're a 1099, whatever your situation is, 
the receipts you have to keep, you have to keep them for seven years. If you lose them, they would put you in prison if the numbers didn't add up. Think about that. You have to keep it for seven years. You have to have, and ideally, to be safe, I tell people have two or three physical copies. So take a photocopy, print it out, take that copy, put it at another off-site location. Also, scan it to a computer, put it on a flash drive, put it in the cloud. Again, you have to have that for seven years. It's your responsibility. You mess up, you go to jail. The government may mess up, and I guarantee no one's going to lose their job over this because they have unprecedented levels of job security. Now, in terms of the quantifiable numbers, it looks like they've Watchdog said that they found seven empty boxes at an IRS facility over in Ogden, Oregon, that should have contained a backup of 168 microfilm cartridges, which holds up to 2,000 photographic images each, and that the IRS personnel there were unable to point where the location of cartridges is. Because it's probably, just like the post office, unparalleled job security, you just have to have tenure. You really don't have to have performance most of the time. And it looks like the IRS also can't find any cartridges containing tax records from the fiscal year 2010 that's supposed to be transferred over to the Kansas City Processing Center from its processing center in Fresno, California. And of course, all this has sensitive information. It's got your social, in some, if you're not a business and you're submitting as an individual, you're doing taxes, you have social security. If you're a business, you're having an EIN number. So it's fascinating to see the public sector having yet another business blunder of the day. Those, this is, I would argue, a political blunder, of course, because it's a political agency. And of course, no oversight, no, no discipline, no one will ever get in trouble. Must be nice. No accountability. But I digress. Other interesting political news, you have Ron DeSantis replacing his 2024 campaign manager. Finally. Because their campaign has gone more downhill than Lizzo running, rolling down a hill if she were to trip and fall. I joke that, obviously, because she's proud of how she looks. And she's also currently under investigation for sexual harassment and fat shaming. Ironic, yes. Now, it looks like Ron DeSantis is replacing his campaign manager, Jira Peck, and replace that person with James Utenmeyer to be the chief of staff for his gubernatorial race. Now, this is coming from a DeSantis spokesperson by the name of Andrew, Andrew Romeo. Quote, James Utenmeyer has been one of Governor DeSantis' top advisors for years, and he is needed where it matters most, working hand-in-hand with Grana Peck and the rest of the team to put the governor in the best possible position to win the primary and defeat Joe Biden, unquote. Now, he didn't laugh. I couldn't help but chuckle just because right now they are very far behind and they're in deep trouble. They go on to say that DeSantis has cut more than a third of his campaign staff last month and he promised a leaner and insurgent operation. Now, in the first week, in the first six weeks of his campaign, his payroll and his team on his campaign hit a million dollars. Now, I always tell folks as a governor, he has some great fiscal and political positions. He helped businesses out with some great policies. Many people relocated to Florida because of those policies. And in terms of his career as a governor, he had great success. When he first won election, the margin of victory was by less than 1%. That's razor thin margins. When he ran for re-election, it was near 19%. The Republican Party could learn something from him and his team, or at least the old team, because in terms of political victories, that's unprecedented levels of success. You usually do not see someone grow that much the gap. May will actually attribute that to his policies during the lockdowns, or other states had lockdowns, but it seems like he was really able to garner a lot of support. Now, since launching his presidential bid, it's almost been political blunder after political blunder. His first of his many mistakes, I feel, he announced he was going to run for president on Twitter during a live stream where you couldn't see him. And every book on body language or communication since, shoot, since I started reading those things decades ago, they say a majority, like 90 plus percent of communication is visual. It's why this show will always have a video component to it. We're also on all the podcast platforms, but that's why visual is so important. And he also sounded lackluster. He's going up against Biden. You have to sound at least more excited to be running for president than Biden does being president. That's one of the things you need to be campaigning on. That's, I believe that's one of the reasons Trump is attracting more voters because people like his energy. And DeSantis didn't have the energy for his kickoff. He also teased that he was going to run for governor for weeks. So he basically already knew he was running for governor before he was there. 
So it was perhaps one of the worst. I look at the left and the right. I look at all the people who have announced their campaign, and that's probably one of the worst announcements I'd ever seen. Now, he's had many more blunders from then, and still far behind Trump in the polls. We're talking 30 plus points. Now, one of the things that, in terms of morally, that I found abhorrent was his campaign using AI to deepfake Trump. Now, they actually had a picture or a compilation of six pictures where it says this is the real Trump, and it was him, Trump, Donald Trump, having a hug with uh, Dr. Fauci. And of course, that didn't happen. They were deep fakes gener generated by AI. Now, if DeSantis was prudent, and I would argue more ethical, he would come out immediately and said, hey, I do not agree with what that campaign did. That's not ethical. That's not right. We will not do that again. We're saying right now that photo is fake. I apologize. I take ownership of the situation because I'm the leader. He didn't. The only thing they managed to do was they had one of their minions say, oh yeah, well, Trump does it too. Now, in context, Trump, when he used deep fake AI, is either a picture of himself or DeSantis riding a, riding a Tyrannosaurus Rex or a Rhinoceros. Something so preposterous, you no one was dumb enough to know or think it was real. So a lot of people saw Ron DeSantis's their faith in him drop because of that. Not only is he attacking Trump, which isn't a prudent political decision because Trump does have a big fan base, and I don't think it's going to help Ron get any more than what... So just politically speaking, it's asinine to do that. And also morally, they were manipulating people with that false ad. So those are the two major things from my perspective where I saw him just tank in terms of the support numbers went down. Anecdotally, people I speak to who formerly had a more positive opinion of him, their confidence went down in him. So he's making all these terrible political decisions and hopefully the new leadership that he's hiring or the new, he's finagling around the campaign staff, hopefully they'll maybe have more of a, they'll be able to sound off more or actually give him advice or maybe just connect him more, show him what's happening with people's perception of him. But they continue just to have business blunder after business blunder. And I can't help but think at this point, are they really going to make a comeback? And I would say when it comes to DeSantis campaign right now, just the outlook is still not so good. But I would say time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have Andy No losing his case against Antiva while the defense attorney actually says, I am Antifa. Now, this Portland jury found that the Antifa militant was not liable in Andy Noe's attack while at a defense, while the defense attorney had that declaration saying, I am Antifa. Now, the defense attorney also looked at the jurors and said they would be remembered in a, in a may we say, in a menacing way, which given Antifa's prior records when it comes to courts is a threat because they consistently dox people, which is pejorative, it's a term where they will, without your permission, tell people where you live, and they've shown up with violence. Although, I remember a politician actually said Antifa is just an idea, idea, not a thing. Do you believe that? Let me know in the comments what you think. And the jury actually told the judge that they were scared of being doxxed. And how the judge didn't rule a mistrial just on that basis alone, I'm astonished. It is ridiculous. Now, this is all stemming from Andy Noe actually filing a complaint in Portland, Oregon in 2020, claiming that assault and the other injuries over the alleged actions carried out by members of IT began in 2019. And they actually had defendants John Hacker and Elizabeth Renee Richer having been accused by senior editor um, Andy Noe, and they were just let off the hook completely. And he was seeking about a million dollars in damages from the alleged violence. And a lot of people are just saying, where is the justice here? Because there's clearly a, many are saying it's a clear-cut case of juror intimidation, which shouldn't be a thing. But unfortunately, the United States can't help but notice it's only on one side of the political aisle right now. It's becoming more and more a threat. And more and more people are, unfortunately, they're acquiescing, just bending the knee to the mob. And instead of doing the right thing, they're just doing what's safest for them. And a wise man once said, soon we'll, oh, the quote is something along the lines of, soon we will all have to make the decision between what is easy and what is right. So he was hurt pretty bad with those attacks and it seems like he's not getting any justice. And it'll be interesting to see, does he try to take it to the higher court? Does he try to 
reapproach it, but yeah, pretty, uh, I guess we shouldn't be too shocked given the location and the political atmosphere that Andy, Andy No will not get any justice. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Target having a recall of 2.2 million candles, which I can't help but see all these companies have all these recalls for these silly candles and wonder who on earth is buying candles in 2023? Unless you maybe Valentine's Day or you live in the middle of nowhere and you want emergency candles. But I, it is fascinating to see people are still buying candles these days. Now, it looks like Target had received 19 reports of jars breaking and one actually led to a person being or a person being injured. It looks like the specific brand was Threshold Glass Candles. They were sold at Target stores and Target.com between February of 2020 and July 2023, costing between $3 and $12. This also according to the U.S. Consumer Products and Safety Commission. I can't imagine having a candle for three to four years and still not trying it out, but I think we're having a reoccurring issue with all these candles is breaking left and right. Is it really worth the risk? I, I can't fathom having, um, not having the business acumen to test the candles or even just look at the containers and ask the suppliers, have you tested these containers, these glass containers? Will it actually withstand its just use? Like this isn't people dropping them and getting a cut on their foot. They're just using the candles and they get hot and they crack and break the glass. Like that's just pathetic and it makes Target look ridiculous because they either have no control over the supply chain or the quality of the suppliers or they just, they just not issue them. They're just not, they just don't check. Needless to say, we'll see if people start to decrease about they spend at Target. Maybe, they start to get, maybe they'll get their candles from some other company, but Needless to say, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, again, for taking the time to tune in. Really want to appreciate you clicking that subscribe button. Trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of the month. We greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to take the time to like as well as comment. Those also greatly appreciate it. Really make the content a lot better as you appreciate the critical feedback. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.